0: Hey folks welcome back to another episode of the texas signal signal cast i'm your host joe desotel and i'm here with my co-host jessica montoya coggins hello jessica
1: hey joe
0: we are back again to discuss the latest happenings in texas politics from a progressive perspective as we always do and you know it's been really busy I feel like we got a little bit of a reprieve. I guess it's summer. It's been hot. um, Not as much going on. But the things that are going on are pretty big. So uh, everything from, you know, good numbers in terms of Democrats, in terms of uh, vaccination rates, uh, a lot of visits to the border from, you know, Kamala Harris, our VP, and our former president, Donald Trump. And then a little news on the special session that's coming up. Um, But let's just start with uh, the fact that Texas Democrats at 79% saying they've already had the vaccination in Texas. That basically means Democrats have reached herd immunity in the state of Texas.
1: That's awesome news. Uh, I guess we just have to... Avoid any Republicans who haven't gotten the vaccine.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, if there was another reason you needed to avoid Republicans in this case, I guess, you know, it doesn't do a lot for our unity of the country, unfortunately, that literally the way to stay healthy is to avoid your Republican friends. Um, that's something I think many of us were trying to, uh, trying to rectify our, in our politics, but unfortunately that's where we're left these days. I know we had a story on the texassignal.com that uh, nationally about half of Republicans uh, seem to be not vaccinated and not that interested in getting vaccinated. It seems like in Texas, that's about the exact same too. We got um, 49, 47% of Republicans say they've been vaccinated, but a 38% say they have no plans to, uh, they don't want to. Um, so it kind of seems like the people who want to get vaccinated have been vaccinated. And there's like very few people um, who want to get vaccinated. 8% of Democrats say they plan to get vaccinated and have not yet. Um, across the whole state of Texas, we're at 60%. And we know that the, the threshold for herd immunity is 70%. And so it's really no way else to say it, but Republicans are preventing us from reaching herd immunity.
1: And this is actually something where I think, our top three, uh, you know, from Governor Abbott to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick to even Attorney General Ken Paxton or any other sort of Republican leader, I think they have really not taken this up. Um, our colleague William Kim also wrote about vaccine lotteries, which some states have used uh, to, to sort of some good success. Ohio um, got some interest when they announced that they were doing these uh, large, pretty large prize money uh, for lotteries, and then also some uh, call. Uh, you could get full, full tuition for for state college, um, especially because younger younger Americans are also at the the opposite end of getting getting these vaccines. Um, and that is absolutely something that Abbott has said no to. Um, as we obviously know, he has uh, you know pretty much banned vaccine passports, uh, which some states do do have. Um, So this is actually an area where, you know, the Republican leadership has not taken this up. And it was very interesting, you know, this week, uh, First Lady Jill Biden was in, she came to Dallas, Uh, she did an event at a high school here with Emmett Smith. And then she and she was went to Houston, where she was joined by the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, they were at an Astros game. Uh, Both of these were sort of pop up vaccination sites, I believe at the Astros game, uh, they had the parking lot available for your vaccines and then you would also get free tickets to a future Astros game. So nice. this is where, yeah. So this is uh, this is where you see the white house, I think trying to take up a little bit of the slack from where, you know, our state has kind of failed.
0: Yeah. It, it's unfortunate. And, you know, you kind of see this, you know, with the private sector and how they, they can help leverage some of this, um, you, you know, getting the interest in, in the vaccine and and rising it to sort of a, a cultural thing beyond a political thing. And I think that's so important. You know, we talk about that in terms of like broadening our audience and, and bringing in cultural aspects. And you've done a really good job of that with some of the interviews you've done. And, you know, but you can see it here as well, that the vaccine vaccine should not be political. Uh, the health of everyone should not be political. Uh, it used to be political just on who was paying for healthcare, but now even just getting health care uh, is, is political and it's so unfortunate. So these kind of efforts are really important. I love to see that. love to hear that. I didn't even know that. So it was news to me. And, you know, you look at what's happening on the other side in terms of leveraging the, the private sector. And I don't know if you've heard this, but you know, as we, as we as we sort of transition away from talking about the vaccine and, and what's been going on at the border, which is the other kind of big issue that's happened this week, uh, the Republicans are getting their donors to fund militia groups to come down from, well, it's technically the National Guard, right? Uh, from, uh, from Dakota, South Dakota uh, to the border, which this is obviously a big political stunt. That, you know, Ron DeSantis has done the same thing. He's going to send us a whole 50 National Guardsmen you know, uh, and then so is uh, Christy Noam. I mean, to me, this is embarrassing. Like if, if Greg Abbott is calling for help from other governors and they're sending 50 people to come, you know, help. I mean, I, I feel like that is um, that's, that's 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 that seems pretty embarrassing to me. I mean, that seems just like such petty small potatoes. And, and it just shows like he's obviously can't get the job done himself.
1: Well, it's very um, so in addition to pretty much declaring a he's, uh, Greg Abbott has declared the border a disaster area. Mm-hmm. And we've reported about uh, they're going to borrow two hundred and fifty million dollars um, from a sort of a criminal from a, a justice fund as a down payment. First mm-hmm. off for the border wall. And then uh, Abbott announced that we were getting these sort of reinforcements from these other states. Uh, the South Dakota announcement raised a lot of alarm bells. Um, this is essentially a, a billionaire who is funding this. Uh, he doesn't even live in South Dakota. He's from Tennessee. Um, but he's he's giving a million dollars to send these South Dakota National Guards people to Texas. Again, it is just 50. But it is just really weird. I, I actually looked back. I don't remember. Do you, do you, know, do you remember the Jade Helm? Oh, yeah. Yes, go. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for folks that don't remember, Jade Helm was a, a routine military exercise. Uh, it was going to be done in the Southwest, uh, you know, parts of Texas, Utah, California, uh, essentially places where it's very hot. And I think that that was a part of the training for the military. Uh, well, uh, conspiracies uh, just were rampant about this, especially in South Texas. Um, there were all these rumors that there was going to be mass surveillance, mass arrests, there were uh, prisons underneath Walmarts. Um, very strange stuff, although probably actually maybe a harbinger of what, what was to come with like QAnon. Um, but Abbott actually kind of leaned into this. Now, he never actually deployed troops. However, he did ask them to monitor the situation that was going on at the military base.
0: I mean, and I y- would <laughs>
1: I went back and looked at his letter about this and it was basically saying you know we have to protect the civil liberties of Texans and this is uh, you know we don't want any sort of you know outside forces encroaching and I'm just kind of like now thinking well now we're going to have these members from the South Dakota National Guard funded by some right wing billionaire who's just coming into our state We, we don't really know what they're doing. This, uh, I'm not sure if the abbot of now would recognize the, the abbot from 2015, and vice versa.
0: Yeah, not at all. I mean, and it's really seems like a mercenary, you know, crew. When you privately fund a military, I mean, this is not something that you think of in the United States, right? I mean, every time the Republicans harp on the Second Amendment, they're talking about, and they say themselves, individual rights. Your individual right to to own a uh, own a firearm to protect yourself and your family is different than a rich person being able to hire people uh, who are armed and trained to go monitor another you have a state they don't even live in property they don't even own and and in some cases we know with the border wall it's it's property that's being taken from landowners against their will by the government so again yeah how does that align with the values that they play, they claim to profess about individual liberty, right, property rights, uh, all that is, is completely thrown out the window in, in this really sort of latest antics that they're, they're performing along the border.
1: Mm-hmm. But we did have, uh, I guess, sort of two dueling images from the border. Uh, so the vice president was an was El Paso On Friday, she was there with uh, Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois, who's been a long standing uh, uh, author of the DREAM Act, which would uh, provide um, a pathway to citizenship uh, for many undocumented immigrants, and then also Representative Veronica Escobar, she is the Congresswoman from El Paso. Um, and I know you you had an interesting uh, point that John Cornyn made, which maybe we need to show him a map of Texas because he, he got some of his geography wrong, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was complaining that uh, the vice president wasn't going to the real border when she was going to El Paso, which literally translates to the pass, as in passing from one country to another country, one land to another land. So. You know, yeah, I think he, you know, somebody who's been in statewide government for that long should know that El Paso is in fact on the border, sir. Um, you know, we know that they're avoiding El Paso a lot because it it conflicts with some of the very ideas that they claim and claims that they make about El Paso from it being one of the safest cities, large cities in America, um, to the fact that the gun violence that took place there, the manifesto of that killer was literally saying that, a a hispanic invasion of texas which directly reflects the same type of verbiage that they've been using uh for the border uh in in what they call you know the the ongoing border crisis and so yeah so you know uh obviously trump followed up that that race and he did go down there to that part of the border uh and i think what's interesting about that is that abbott you know in, in this Sort of posturing that he's been doing about the border and border security, and we need to get folks down there. Well, there's a handful of counties along the border that opted out of this program. And when people took a look at the counties that opted out of it, it turns out it aligns exactly with the counties that Cornyn identified as the quote unquote real border. So we're talking about Hidalgo County, Cameron County really the place where the most residents are in South Texas and the most sort of economic activity is actually happening between Texas and Mexico, those counties on the border have opted out of this program with Abbott. And, and they find that, you know, having some of these troop, quote unquote, troop presence is, is, is actually counterproductive and sort of like militarizing their communities in a way that is unnecessary. Uh, and they find, you know, apparently somewhat disturbing.
1: Yeah, I um, in one of the articles I wrote, I referenced uh, a larger piece, Texas Monthly, um, that chronicle a Texas Monthly article that chronicled uh, some of these complaints. This one was out of Star County and a um a town called La Trulla, uh, which oddly enough actually founded by Eva Longoria's like great great grandfather, but um, a judge there uh was essentially complaining, uh, there was uh, some company from Tennessee that was looking to relocate and you know this crew kept on getting stopped for all these traffic infractions and they saw all this DPS presence and they were like um you know what actually we don't feel very safe and the judge was trying to say no 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 this is um you know sort of the overreach of the governor we're actually very safe um and I'm not sure that really came across for that Tennessee company and and then also in this town, um, I think the mayor and the chief of police have each been pulled over <laughs> about 10 times this year, um, you know, for I think tinted windows is what they were saying. Yeah, um, but yeah. no, this is, yeah, for a lot of folks like that actually live on the border, this increased presence is, is actually not at all doing what it's supposed to do. It's just a huge nuisance and something that I think they would not like to see. And uh, you mentioned uh, Donald Trump's visit there. Um, you know, the sheriff that spoke the most that I saw was from Tarrant County, which, um, you know, that's my neck of the woods. And I, I think that's about an eight hour drive to the border. So not exactly um, a border summit, if you will.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I just hope that some of this is is penetrating because we know that a lot of things they say are very surface level, you know, talking points. Um, and then they conflict with other talking points. And so I think if, if folks take the time to, to dig a little bit deep, uh, even just beyond the surface, uh, this stuff is uh, a lot of their moves are illogical. But unfortunately, they also cost us a lot of money um, and they cost us a lot of, um, you know, other resources. And, and one of those resources, is of course, time. And so we look at the time that the legislature spent this past session, and then you see what they didn't spend their time on. And we have a whole set of priorities like, you know, fixing the grid and things like that, that they did not focus their time on. And even the things that they professed as priorities, they apparently didn't get done either because they're coming back. Right. Um, And the governor is going to be pushing a whole host of red meat issues in a special session. Which is just overtime. Uh, for those who who don't know, the Texas Legislature is in session every other year for 140 days. They, in our constitution, they're given that time to pass bills that are relevant. Uh, the only bill they absolutely have to pass, according to the constitution, is the budget. And so they passed the budget, and that is where Abbott, you know, vetoed Article 10, which contains funding for staff. There's been a lot of confusion over because essentially he lied. Uh, that he was defunding the legislators and not giving them their pay, but their pay is in the constitution. So people need to understand that. And I hate that Democrats, because we're fact-based, have to explain why what the Republicans are doing is either bad or just a lie. Uh, But in this case, it's really important that people understand because when the governor put out the veto, he said, no pay for those who walk out on the job, right? Uh, The only people that you know, broke quorum were Democratic legislators whose pay is completely unaffected. The staff of both Democrat and Republicans are going to be affected. And we're actually going to do uh, another uh, podcast next week with a staff member, a chief of staff for a legislator who wants to talk a little bit about what this is like from a staff perspective uh, and sort of their concerns. Because a lot of these people, they're underpaid, they're overworked. Uh, it's a job where you're almost told, like, "Hey, you know, like this is great experience," and uh, there's very few who who get to have long-term careers uh, where they they're paid their their worth and money and not experience. And so, adding insult to injury by by docking their pay or taking it away completely or even threatening to, is awful way to govern. So.
1: It's awful too, and there's also a lot of impact for the U.S. Capitol staff. I mean, you have custodial workers, janitorial mm-hmm. workers, uh, cafeteria workers, uh, lawn folks, and then also people who do a lot of the reference keeping for the Capitol. Um, I know that's your your background right now, and it's in, it's in this extraordinary building, um, and one that's that has uh, you know a lot of people that that's that's their living, and that's where. Um, Yeah, as you say, like, this is, this this is taking, this is hugely impactful in a horrible way for a lot of folks.
0: Yes. And so the Democrats have essentially appealed to the Texas Supreme Court to void Abbott's veto on the grounds that it was unconstitutional. And from what I understand, they seem pretty confident and in, in their case and either way, they will get the opportunity to reinstate that funding. And we don't know what, what they will do in terms of breaking quorum again, or, you know, you would imagine they, there, there must be some appetite for that, uh, knowing that when they did it the first time that they, the governor could obviously call a special session. And I feel like uh, there's so much energy, excitement and attention now on this issue here in Texas, that they're going to get the support that they need and it's really up to all of us to to uh to continue to support those legislators who are standing up for your right to vote standing up for their constituents and really all texans because the the things they're trying to implement will affect all texans at some level uh somebody you know will be affected might have their ability to vote taken away or abridged in a way that uh, you know uh, sees them miss the opportunity to vote and, and so, you know, this is really about our institutions and the value of our institutions more than it is about a partisan issue. And, um, you know, and, and we've mentioned this before as well, that as the special session arises, and even though we expect it to be all red meat, uh, the Republicans are not all in sync with each other. And so you've got... Uh, and part of that is because when the governor vetoed Article Ten, like I just mentioned, it also the funding wasn't just for Democrats; it was for Republican staff as well, and all the attorneys that uh, help write the legislation, and and so uh, you you have a House Speaker and a House Republican Caucus that are you know not happy with the fact that their staff is not going to be getting paid. Um, and and how are they supposed to do their jobs if if the staff is not there? Uh, you know, we know the staff does most of the work. So, um, yeah. So I, I I think that it's it's it is going to be at a high level framed of Democrats versus Republicans, but there's a lot uh, kind of going under the surface. Uh, of Republicans sort of challenging uh, Republican, Republicans. Uh, and we know too, that some of, this, some of the bills that they're kind of trying to bring back, even though they were basically red meat Republican primary voter issues, uh, Republicans have full control of the government. And if they really wanted to pass all of this stuff, they could have, and they really agreed on it, they could have passed it much earlier. And Democrats wouldn't have had the opportunity to sort of run out the clock.
1: One thing that I learned, and you probably already knew this, but apparently for this special session, you only need a 24-hour notice if you're going to put something up on a docket, so if the testimony is lined up. Um, so I did not know that, um, and I think that that's um, also a little a little scary uh, for mm-hmm. some of the things that they, they would maybe possibly want to do. Whether that's obviously Senate Bill Seven, which is that large uh, voter suppression bill um, mm-hmm. that they they could not do after Democrats you know walked out, or you know the transgen the transgender uh, you know banning transgender athletes, or um, our our old friend critical race theory.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and that's one we wanted to to mention as well. We just did a story on critical race theory. On TexasSignal.com, just published today, uh, Thursday, about the Republican, we'll say very conservative think tank called the Texas Public Policy Foundation. We briefly mentioned one of their leaders uh, a while uh, in our last podcast, but folks should know that these folks are the ones that kind of they're out there talking to the grassroots, they're out there doing polling, they're out there doing message testing. And when they something bubbles up on their radar and they start talking about it, you can almost guarantee that the next session, this is going to be the priority. These are going to be the talking points that Republicans are starting to 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 spew out there. And you're going to see things in the Republican um, uh, the party platform start to appear. And so they got dragged through the internet for this one. Essentially, they came up with a list and, and you could see there's sort of workshop in this a little bit and didn't go over so well. But ideal, the idea here was to tell parents, hey, if you hear your kids talking about any of these long laundry list of issues, uh, understand that this is critical race theory. And so they're trying to broaden the definition of critical race theory to include anything that talks about racial disparities or diversity or inclusion or, you know. Yeah, I've and- got
1: the I've got a part of the list. So the mm-hmm. the the graphic was essentially how to identify critical race theory in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess these are the the phrases or words that if you it reminds me of those like law law commercials like if your family has been impacted by asbestos, you know, call us, <laughs> if you know. Um, but so I, if you hear the following, you should you should be very worried. Um, cultural, multicultural, social justice, yeah. colonialism, <laughs> yeah. uh, ally, identity, normative. Um, um, which, uh, so a lot of people have actually pointed out, like, you know, colonial, I, I, how would you teach the Revolutionary War?
0: Yeah. I mean, we literally call them the colonies. So yeah. How how do you, how do you teach this stuff? And we know what this is all about. I mean, that's what they're saying on one hand. And on the other hand, they're, they're trying to limit, uh, or they're trying to say that they are being uh, censored by social media companies. And so it's like, you know, which is it? Can we talk about things or can we not talk about things? Oh, as long as it's conservative and it fits your narrative, then we can talk about them. So you have, again, this is total in, totally in conflict with their stated values uh, of obviously freedom, but also Uh, commerce because if companies aren't allowed to make decisions about what goes on on their platforms and in their company, in their company that directly opposes so much of their own talking points that are supposed to be pro business and. And pro freedom, you could do what you want uh, with your, your your property and all this other stuff. So it's in total conflict. And on the other hand, this critical race theory isn't is is also in conflict because they they don't want the government quote unquote telling them what to do and what to say. And here they are, members of the government, saying what you know you can and can't say, um, and uh, about the things that I, I guess make them feel uncomfortable when they hear it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I think we're going to be talking about this. We've mentioned that you know they have very much latched onto this phrase, and again, I cannot emphasize enough that there is no critical race theory being taught in any public school in Texas, and certainly not, um, uh, you know, I, I, there's no kindergarten teacher out there that's just like, all right, kids, you know, we're going to learn about critical race theory today. Like, it's just just not happening. Um, but they have found this sort of catch-all phrase. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of in the 90s. Uh, some of our some of our, our listeners might be a little young to remember the political correctness craze that sort of took over, um, but it was also one that I think was waged very successfully by conservatives, and it ended up ultimately really impacting a lot of public universities, mm-hmm. a lot of professors. Uh, you're actually kind of seeing that now uh, with, with some of the the great authors of the 1619 project, but it, they, they, when they know how to do something, they will execute it. And it will. Um, and, and, and I think you're kind of seeing that now.
0: Yeah. And they're so good with staying on message once they figure out what that message is. And you're absolutely right. Because I mean, this is their own version of, of that. They are, they're trying to create these sort of cultural wars Um in and, and sort of break us apart. And, you know, we've, we've seen it over and over again uh, with athletes and how they treat athletes who, who stand up. Um, Dan, you know, Dan
1: Crenshaw just recently, Mr. Mister Cancel, cancel culture. He, right. I believe called for uh, Gwen Berry, who was a, a track and field athlete uh, to be removed from the Olympic team. Uh, she did not, I guess, properly national anthem or some, something with the yeah. flag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this is, and, and I have a feeling that as we get closer and closer to the Olympics, you're going to see a lot of takes like that
0: yeah and and yeah of course and you can't teach critical race theory I I saw a really good meme that kind of lays it out and I think it's it just speaks to how bringing in cultural things can sometimes help help to explain what's going on but it was a king of the hill meme which which is great because obviously that's the it's Texas and uh it was uh one character saying to Bobby you know um he he was basically talking about you know uh, how how the Native Americans were treated or something like that, and and Bobby was basically saying, "Are you sure about that? Because I'm white and I've never heard any of this before." Yeah, and, I know what you're and, talking about. <laughs> yeah, and it's like so perfect because yes, that's it. That's exactly. I spent how many minutes basically saying that exact thing over and over that they're trying to like cover their tracks by saying what you can't learn, uh, which which basically like is a is a breadcrumb to uh, the sit- current situation that we're in right now and why we see disparities and and arresting and, and the criminal justice system at large. We see all these major disparities in income and in housing and all that. It's not random. There's a reason for that, and by not talking about certain issues that were perpetuated by, by our government, which this is something conservative should, should want. These are the things that conservative, the same argument they made for keeping up a, con, a Confederate statue is the same reason they should support teaching the history of our country. So we don't repeat it and we understand how we got here so that we can understand how we continue to live up or, or get closer to living to living up to the promise of America, which is everybody being treated equally, regardless of, <laughs> of their race, uh, which is what they like to say all the time. Uh, but then when it comes down to actually teaching that and explaining to people how we got here and what's our history, it's a totally different story. Yeah. No. Um, so I, I did, since you mentioned uh, Gwen, uh, Barry the the athlete I, I and I always like to say let's let's bring in some good news uh, they are doing Olympic trials right now mm-hmm. and we can be very proud of a couple of Texans that are uh, making tons of headlines one of course is uh, perennially uh, Simone Biles is uh, still doing things that people have never seen before
1: I know I can't believe that you know, I just watch her and I'm like, wow, we're the same species. That's a, that's crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah. How can you do that with your body? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then we have another Texan, um, Shakaria Richardson. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, from Skyline. Yeah. yeah. And so she's breaking records and she's, you know, I think she just set a new record for the hundred yard dash or something like that. But, you know, she'll she'll be one to watch in the Olympics. And so, you know, we have so much to be, you know, proud of uh, in our state. And I think it's really important that you know we make a point to remind folks that it's not all bad, you know. Despite what the Republicans are doing to your rights, uh, there's a lot of really great things happening. Texans, you know, uh, are obviously, you know, uh, fighters and 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 innovative in a lot of different ways. And you know, we persevere in spite of our government and it shouldn't be that way government should be a partner with the with the people that it, it's there to represent and the whole point of having a government uh is not to make your life harder and so yeah there are some bright spots out there we need to always kind of remember that i think that's good
1: that is true those. i mean regardless of what happens this month and it, it, it could it could be very bad but um i, I will still um i am excited about the olympics and
0: yeah I got and yeah. And Texas is going to have some great representative representation there. So, um, yeah. And so I, I would like to see us try to find ways to, you know, bring in some of those folks to talk to them, even if it's not an overtly political conversation, uh, just understanding like, you know, uh, their experience and, yeah. and how, how they feel representing Texas, uh, to the world, not just yeah. America.
1: Well, I'd be interested. I mean, just a little off the Olympics track, but the recent And NCAA changes for college athletes. That's a whole other issue Mm -hmm. that we could certainly talk with a lot of folks about that. And, um, and uh, so, yes, I, I think actually our sports coverage has, has, uh, we, we, we've had a couple of things there. and, And I think that that is an area where we can definitely increase.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we have no shortage of superstar athletes uh, that are from Texas. So I, I totally agree. And especially at the college level, they go on to, to play in other places. But uh, but at the college level, we have a lot of uh, potential. And, you know, I think about the, you know, Vince Young, the, the superstar quarterback from UT who won the last one who won the national championship. If that guy got even a sliver of the money off of his jersey sales, I mean, he wouldn't even ever have to work again. Yeah. Um, and so, it, you know, you just think about these universities making so much money, not just while they're while they're there, but even long after they're gone, making money off of their efforts and their work ethic. And, you know, what could be further from from capitalism than not allowing somebody uh, to make money off of their own hard work?
1: Mm-hmm. And Absolutely.
0: so, yeah. And so it, it's just it's just another uh cultural opportunity to to kind of connect the work that we're doing and trying to fix in this state so that uh people can uh you know maximize their own um skill set and you know
1: i mean there's some discussion that maybe it's possible that there could be a company that sort of reissues some of those jerseys from colleges with those athletes or or stuff like that the licensing stuff right there's there are a lot of people that missed out on on, uh, on I think a very uh, on on their image and mm-hmm. it's it's not fair
0: yeah and I know that that might mean that you know some boosters are gonna be able to recruit you know differently or have new tools to recruit but uh, I think there was either is a bill or it was a court case something but just this week uh, there's an effort I'll put it that way to make sure that the students could gain you, you know, uh, essentially some rights to their uh, to their name and likeness and make money off of that, which would include endorsement deals and things mm-hmm. like that. And so you don't necessarily have to, to go to the top D one school in your state, uh, to, uh, to, to make a name for yourself, you know, some athletes choose to go to smaller schools. So they stand out more. And those athletes are, are, are still very likely to be able to get endorsement deals outside of, you know, the school providing you with, with some other perks. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's just, that's just something that I think we're, we're slowly, uh, you know, coming to the realization that yeah this is in any other industry this would be totally illegal to deny people uh rights to their own name likeness and things like that and make money off of it so definitely progress and it's good to see it's really good to see that so um yeah so i think that's that about covers it for this week
1: yes um so we'll uh, be monitoring that special session we'll see if there's any announcements around that or what what comes from that and we'll we'll be there tracking it all
0: absolutely so the special session kicks off next thursday on the 8th it'll be the first day they usually will clock in around noon to start the session usually nothing happens on the first day but uh, we expect some time between now and then to get an agenda so we don't even have an agenda we, we we're speculating when we say it's going to be the the sb 7 bill and critical race theory because this is what's kind of being floated out there so there is a level of expectation uh the good news is i'll say that democrats can uh propose their own bills and so if They say we're going to, you know, uh, the special session call says something about uh, voter integrity because that's the phrase they've been using. We can write our own voter integrity bills and we could say, hey, our voter integrity bill includes same day voter registration, includes online voter registration. It includes, um, you know, overnight voting at certain locations and. And so, you know, my hope is that we come up with some really good bills and we're able to hold Republicans accountable. And if they do end up passing a bill that we're able to not only water it down, the worst, take the worst of it out, but that we're also able to put really good things in there and pressure them. Um, Because as we saw, uh, this stuff is having a huge impact. The, The attention is having a huge impact. Uh, we, we got Republicans to basically say uh, they have no idea how the ability to overturn an election even got into the bill. We have no idea. We never intended that to happen. Now, I they rarely ever backtrack. So the fact that we can do that shows the power of holding these folks accountable and that it does matter. And to some degree, more than fighting against Republicans, we're fighting against apathy and we're fighting against people not believing that their voice matters. And a lot of the Republican strategy is to make people believe that and to say, you know what, it doesn't matter no matter how hard you try. Uh, you know, we're going to discount you uh, as a member of the majority. Um, you know, your voice doesn't matter because we have the, the levers of government and power and what we say uh, goes. And so uh, don't believe it. Don't let them silence you and understand that their efforts to to reduce your ability to vote just tells you how important it really is to them. And so, yeah, that's that's it. So go out and prosper and continue to check in with us at texassignal.com. And if you uh, feel so inclined, we would really appreciate you becoming one of our Patreon supporters by going to the website, looking at the top right corner and joining. Uh, It basically is a sort of like a monthly subscription uh, to make sure that we can continue to do this type of progressive journalism on the site, the podcast, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else that we work to hold uh, our government accountable. So I
1: just talked with someone who joined as a Patreon this week. So I was like,
0: "Yay!" (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Love to hear that. Uh, We might have to start doing some of that, like feature. You know, like when the NPR, your name pops up. It's like, oh, such and such. You know, when they do those tote
1: bags. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Whatever it takes, folks. Like, uh, we we want to do this because it's a service, and we believe in we believe in it. We believe in Texas. We believe in you, and we want to. We just. You know, we know how much better we could be doing as a state if we worked together and a government worked on our behalf instead of against us. So thanks for, for listening, as always, and we will talk to you next time.
1: Bye, guys.